Brilliant. Okay, we're, we, are, uh, we are carrying on in our series in John's Gospel today. And um, so, as you know, we've, as Nat said, we've moved the celebration um, from uh, this week to the uh, 6th of November. I've also I've forgotten to say something else as well. Um, there is a five-year-old boy uh, in the church today, and um, he has a Leicester City kit on. Please, if you're a Tottenham fan, please, can you just be kind to him? <laughs> I don't think he... I didn't tell him this morning that we lost yesterday because I didn't want to talk about it. And, um, and so he's unaware. So just let him be unaware. He thinks Leicester are a really good team. I know we're not, OK? Just please just be kind if you're a Tottenham fan. It was close. I mean, it's only 6-2, wasn't it? Um, so that's fine. But yeah, anyway, so, sorry, I just had to get out of the way. You need to be kind to me as well. Um, and my dad. Um, so, yeah. But 6th of, 6th of November, we, we've got the celebration taking place then. And obviously we've moved it because of what's gone on in the last 10 days. And we've had that kind of... This is like, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, I've been you kind of looking at the Queen over the last few years and thinking, it's going to happen at some point, isn't it? We all knew it was going to happen. And, and obviously, we're now into this period of time. And so you start to look, look on her life and you think, OK, well, her life was a life well lived, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a life well lived. It was, I mean, you would kind of go, that was a successful life. Like, if, if you kind of, if you look at her life, you go, that was, a, that was a really successful life. And I don't know whether you're the same as me, but I do tend to do this with people, particularly people that you go, they're, they're inspirational. What an inspirational life that is. You go, how could my life be like that? How could my life be inspirational too? And so you might be tempted in that kind of moment to decide to go on Google. You can do this if I'm, while I'm talking if you really want to and see what I'm talking about. You can type in the question on Google, how can I be successful? And you are going to get really, really unhelpful advice back again about how you can be successful. Because the, there you go. So the, the thing is, is that our culture will teach that success can be obtained. You can obtain success. And there's four ways that our culture will teach you that you can obtain success. So the first one is you can ob- obtain success through power, through pleasure, through profits, or through popularity. So let me, just, let me just break this down a little bit. Maybe you've not attained that success, and so you're so desperately trying to obtain it in one of those four areas. Obviously, Elon Musk is, like, the most successful person ever because he's got all of it, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's enjoying a life of pleasure, smoking weed every day, while he's got, you know, trying to buy Twitter but not buying Twitter, all that kind of stuff, yeah? He's enjoying that lifestyle. He's clearly got everything, hasn't he? No. No. Okay, right. So maybe for you, maybe you're in a position in your, in your company and you went in at the company at the same level as everybody else in your company, but they've now been promoted ahead of you. Maybe for you, you don't feel successful because they've been promoted and you didn't. Maybe you own a business and your business isn't turning a profit. So maybe your business isn't successful. Maybe you've got a dating profile, but nobody is actually clicking on you at all. You're not getting that pleasure in your life, yeah? So maybe you don't feel like that's being successful. Or maybe you've got an Instagram account and like me, nobody follows you. But you, you, you put loads of photos. I don't, I don't do it. I don't do that stuff. But you put, you put loads of like, stuff on there, but nobody, nobody likes you back. And maybe you've been doing TikTok videos that just aren't funny. Yeah, and so you create these TikTok videos, but nobody's watching them. But you're doing it all with a motive because you want to be popular. You want to gain popularity because you think that that is going to help you be successful. Well, you know what? That's... That's totally wrong. And, it, and also, it's, it's opposed to the way that we find in the Bible. We see culture is opposed to Jesus, believe it or not. Cult, anything that it doesn't follow the way of Jesus is opposed to Jesus. And, it, and it's opposed to the way of Jesus. I, I found this uh, quote this week, and I think it just kind of, just to kind of kick us off into what I want to say. Sorry, I got, went loud there because I looked down. Um, and Gary Burge, he's a, a commentator and a theologian. I'm studying through Revelation at the moment. So I found, just found this this week while I was reading through. When we value what the world does instead of valuing the kingdom, 
we forfeit our role as witnesses for Christ's kingdom in his world. Too much of Western Christianity has become indistinguishable from our culture. If we affirm what the world affirms, or more often, live as the world does, to what then do we invite them in conversion that differs from what they already experience? That's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? It's a bit of a challenge to each of us. But look, you see, the thing is, is that you are living in a culture and, uh, you know, the, the clothes of the culture, the, the music of the culture, the TV programs of the culture. And you can, if you're not careful, be converted by that culture in terms of your views and your, your kind of worldview. You are being conditioned every day that you engage in that culture. So how do we as Christians maintain faithfulness to the way of Christ in that culture? That's the big question that we have to ask. And I suppose one of the things, that, um, the thing that I want to look at today is how does Jesus view success? Because if we, I've just said, we, we kind of laugh at those things, but look, that's, they underpin the world. Power, pleasure, popularity, and profits. They underpin the whole worldview that we live in, the Western world that we live in. So how do we then follow Jesus faithfully and, and follow his model for success? And so what does that look like? And that's what, where we're going to go today. So we're going to be in John 15, because as I said, we're doing a series in John and as I've said before, our, our series in John is thematic this time around. So we're not going through it book by book. We are selecting themes. And so obviously the theme I've got today is the theme of, of success and what that really looks like. So we're going to read John 15. We're going to read John, verses uh, 1 to 11 together. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that doesn't, does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear even more fruit. Already you are clean... Because of the word that I have spoken to you, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, so in this text is what Jesus thinks about success, but he doesn't mention the word success, so you might be thinking, where am I going with this? You notice that it says the word abide a lot. Yeah, there's the word abide like countless times, but in this text, we find Jesus's heart for success, where success really lies. But before we get there, because I will answer that question, I promise, I just want to explain this passage a little bit, because I think that'd be helpful in the context of what I'm going to go on to say. So this passage it takes place in a speech that Jesus gives his disciples. So chapters 13 to chapter 17 in John is a speech that Jesus gives before he goes off to the events of the crucifixion. And he gives this kind of address to them. And it's called the farewell discourse. So Jesus is giving the disciples this kind of this pep talk. And in this talk, he covers lots of different themes. So he covers themes like obedience. He covers themes like love. He covers the key theme of the Holy Spirit. So when we, as a church, teach on the Holy Spirit, you'll often find whoever's teaching on it, go to John and say, Jesus teaches that the Holy Spirit is an advocate, he's a counsellor, he's one who comes alongside us. That's from John. So in this passage, within this kind of, this, this series of chapters, we find these verses, and they're almost right in the middle. 
And Jesus uses this metaphor of him being like a vine, like a, a grapevine. Now, th- this kind of metaphor wouldn't be unusual to Jewish, uh, Jewish people. Jew- in Jewish theology, the idea of a vine was there, but Jews believed that Judaism was the vine. And Jesus now says, I am the vine. And he says to his disciples, you are like branches on this vine, able to bear fruit for me and my kingdom. And that's the message that we find here. And he says that, look, actually, you need to abide in me. And I'm going to go on and explain what that means in a minute. But this little passage has been used uh, by Christians um, to, to try and settle a, a sort of a, a disagreement that still is in Christianity today. And let me just explain it very, very briefly. Um, so there are some Christians, me included, in our church, we, we, we teach this, that if you become a Christian, so you say, I'm going to choose to place my faith and my trust in Jesus... I'm going, to, I'm going to say sorry for all the things that I've done that I know have offended him, and I'm going to, I'm going to walk towards him in relationship, and I want to be, I want to be like he, him to be my king, and I'm going to serve him as king. If you choose to do that and you become a Christian, it's like you enter the hand of God. Sorry, I've got my hand up in here, my fist up in the air, because it's like you're in the hand of God, and there's nothing that you can do if you become a Christian that will ever get you out of God's hand. It doesn't matter whether you do something or, or, or something's done to you. Nothing will ever separate you from God. You have been joined to him. You have been made a son or a daughter. When you've been adopted into God's kingdom, you become a Christian. It's like you become God's son or daughter. And when that happens, it's like that, that will never change. That's what we believe as a church. Okay. Now, that, you, in, now, that's what we teach. That's what we believe. You are welcome to be in this church if you don't agree with me on that because you might have the other opinion. And the other opinion is this, is that you believe that there are some things that, that we can do that, that means that actually gradually we, we come out of God's hand. It's like, it's like all of a sudden we kind of go out of God's hand because there are things that we can do or things that we don't do. And so some people have used the verses that I've just read you as a way of describing this process. Well, look, actually, if we don't abide in Jesus... We're like a branch that gets cut off the vine and thrown into the fire. That sounds like hell. But I don't actually, I think this, these verses actually teach the complete opposite. I think they teach what, we, what I would affirm and we affirm as a church. You see, Jesus says in verse 3, doesn't he? He says something very significant, I think. And it's significant just as I kind of just want to get into what I'm saying. He says this, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. See, we are made clean. We, we come to, to faith in Christ, not because of anything that we've done, but because of his work for us. Jesus makes us clean. But then he does go on to say something significant, that we need to abide in him. It's not enough just that we've just been made clean. Jesus is saying, actually, as a result of that cleanliness that I've put over your life, you now need to walk into a certain lifestyle. You're in the hand of God. There's nothing that you can do can ever get you out of it but you now need to walk into a lifestyle. In fact, it's, you know, it's similar. I was just reflecting on Galatians 4 the other day, and Paul speaking to the Galatians. He talks about them being sons and daughters, and then he goes on to say that I'm in child, like the, pain, like the pains of childbirth, praying that Christ is formed in you. Now, you could read that verse and think Paul's writing to them that they're not Christians yet and that Christ needs to be formed in them. No, they're already Christians, but Paul is saying, I'm praying that Christ is formed in you. That, that there's something in your life and your character that as you abide in Jesus, Paul's saying to the, the Galatians there, that, that actually you, Christ is formed in you. And I believe that's what Jesus is getting at here. Jesus is talking about abiding in him. And abiding in Jesus is what it looks like to be successful. That is what success looks like to Jesus, abiding in him. So what does abide mean? Well, abide here is that you might have got it in your Bible as the word remain. And I think the word uh, abide is better, and I'll explain why. Abide is from the Greek word meno, which you'll see throughout your New Testament. Obviously, if you read it in Greek, you'll see it a lot more. 
But in your, in, your English in your English version, it will be translated as different words. So I've put them on the screen for you, some of the things. So it, it, it can be translated as the word remain. So you might have got in your version of the Bible, remain in my love. You might, you might have got that there. Remain. Stay. Endure. That's a good word, isn't it? Endure. Endure in me. Stick in me when it gets tough. Stay steadfast. Again, that's another word there. Last. Wait. Now, the, the thing is about the word abide is we could think it as passive. We need to just wait around in God. When you become a Christian, you just wait around. I just turn up to church on Sundays, and that's my Christian life. This is what I do as a Christian. I come to church on Sundays. I go to all of these groups that we run as a church every single day of the week, and that's my Christian life. That's what it looks like to be a Christian. Is it? Is that, is that it? Because I don't think it is at all what it looks like to be a Christian. In fact, actually, abiding in Jesus is something much more than just turning up to church on a Sunday morning. Much more. Abiding in Jesus is an action. It's choosing to place yourself into the life of Jesus. It's actively seeking after him and his ways. It's actually saying, okay, I'm in the hand of God. There's nothing I can do that's ever going to separate me from Jesus' love. But I'm now going to actually walk in effort towards him. I'm actually going to place my feet into effort to want to seek after Jesus and his kingdom and his ways over my life. Dallas Willard, who is um, a fantastic writer, you please read anything by Dallas Willard, um, said this, that grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude, effort is an action. You, you are called... You see, as a Christian, we, we, don't, we can't earn our salvation. That's, grace is opposed to that. But it's not opposed to out of the grace you've received, actually making effort to strive towards wanting to be like Jesus, wanting to follow Jesus, wanting to place your life into his ways. We are called to be people who abide in Jesus. Now, you could call this different things. I'm calling this abiding in Jesus today. You might um, hear it being spoken of in different ways. So uh, another guy called John Mark Comer would talk about this being the way of Jesus. Dallas Willard calls this spiritual formation. You might just call it, oh, it's growing as a Christian or being a mature Christian or growing as a mature disciple. I'm saying it's abiding in Jesus. It's sticking with Jesus. So abiding with Jesus is how we think, how we live and how we encounter him. It's all of those things. But it's not just trying to be better. It's not trying to be a better Christian. You know, if you try and be a better Christian, if you try and obtain virtue through effort, you're just going to end up in despair. So it's not just trying to do more good stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. It's only when you choose to place your effort into Jesus that that fruit starts to come to the forefront in your life. You actually need to place your efforts in towards seeking him, in towards his ways, into his way of life. That's how you abide in Jesus. It's an active choice to persistently and patiently pursue after Jesus. Our culture thinks that success comes quickly and that you can effectively earn it by just doing a series of things and you'll earn it. But actually, the Christian life is patiently and persistently pursuing Jesus. That's what it is. What does it look like when somebody whose life is committed to this sort of lifestyle? Well, I think we've seen it over the last 10 days. You know, it's really interesting that our culture celebrates all this stuff. But yet when it's come to the Queen, we see something very different, don't we? All of a sudden, actually, with the Queen, we've, we've, we've seen that... What, what true success looks like. She demonstrated faithfulness. She demonstrated um, a, a heart of steadfastness. She kept leading people to her faith in Jesus. When, when she spoke on TV and her addresses at Christmas, she always wanted to pursue promoting Jesus. She demonstrates what a lifestyle looked like to patiently and pursue Jesus. 
You got the feeling that even though she's the queen, she knew who the real king was. But, but how could we identify that a little bit more in the life of a believer here? How could you identify this abiding in Jesus in your life? Well, let me give you a few things. First of all, your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength are fully devoted to Jesus. So Matthew 22, Jesus gets asked what the greatest commandment is, and he quotes Deuteronomy. And it was a, it's a prayer that Jews pray. It's called the Shema. The Lord your God, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Jesus says that's the greatest commandment. So actually, if, if you're abiding in Jesus, your, your heart is devoted to him, not divided by the world. That's the first thing. Secondly, if you are abiding in Jesus, you are rooted in him. You are rooted in his love. Paul writes in Colossians that his prayer for them is that they are rooted and established in God. We, 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 we need to be rooted in his love. Thirdly, that you've given yourself over to growing obedience to Jesus and his ways. We don't talk, I, 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 I'm talking about obedience more and more and more. The danger is, you see, we can, if we get grace wrong, we never talk about obedience. If we get grace right, we talk about obedience within the idea that actually, look, I'm not trying to earn my salvation, but I want to follow Jesus. And I want to be, obey his ways. Let me give you an example of this, because we all make mistakes on this, and we're all growing in a direction of transformation. So Friday, I'm in a Zoom call with some church leaders, and I make this comment, and it was just cynical. And I knew as soon as I said it, it was, just a, it was a stupid thing to say. And I'm sitting, you know when you say something, and then the rest of the whole meeting, you're like, all you're doing is stewing on that one thing you said the whole time? You're like, why did I say that? Like, I'm, like, the, like it was the Holy Spirit convicting me, but then I allowed myself to be condemned, Okay. And I walked out of the meeting, I said, I went, I, I, Jazz was in the building, I went to Jazz, I said, I just said this, she said, you didn't. I said, I did. She said, well, she said, well, maybe people didn't notice, I don't know that they did. Somebody went, <gasps> like that when I said it. <laughs> I had two options at that point in time. I could, I could pretend to ignore it, or I could listen to the voice of Jesus, which was telling me to phone the person who was overseeing that meeting and uh, apologise, so I, I texted them in the end, actually. And I got the most gracious response back from them. But you know what, actually, we need to walk in obedience. And so when you hear the voice of the Spirit telling you something, you need to do it. You know, when you hear the voice of the Spirit telling you to obey Jesus' commands, to ask for forgiveness, you need to do it. It's important. And look, we're all in this journey. I'm giving you that story as just an example. I'm definitely not perfect, and I hope you see that from that story. You see, there's no end to this sort of lifestyle. It's not like you're going to hit a point and go, yeah, I've made it, I'm successful. This is an ongoing process of transformation as we, are, uh, as we become more and more like Jesus so that one day when we meet Jesus, we will be like him for we will see him as he is, it says in Thessalonians. This is an ongoing transformation that we are giving our lives to. So we abide in Jesus by walking in faithfulness, walking in obedience and pursuing the kingdom of God. We need to pursue the kingdom as well. See, part of, part of um, abiding in Jesus is abiding in the things that Jesus loves. Jesus loves his kingdom. His kingdom is filling the world. There's no, there's no stop to the increase of Jesus' kingdom. One day it will fill the whole earth. And it is being revealed through the church. It says in Ephesians, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known through the church. So if you love Jesus and you abide in Jesus and you want to follow after Jesus, you not only have a love for his kingdom, but you also have a love for his bride, the church as well. So practically then, and I'm going to give you just a few practicals about how you might want to walk in this journey of abiding in Jesus this week. And uh, so this is taken from... Uh, can we put up the, the, the last slide? Is that all right? This is taken from um, 
I'm, I'm just going to be completely honest. A guy called John Tyson, he's a brilliant speaker and author. I just put that out to you if you want to listen to anything by John Tyson. Um, and this is something they do with their church, and they call this disengagement and engagement, but I've just called it stepping out and stepping in just to make it a little bit easier to understand. So there's lots of things we do as Christians where we know we need to step in, yeah? So things like worship, where we come on Sundays and we worship God, that's what's important. Celebration, we were going to celebrate together today, we're going to do it in a few weeks' time. But we celebrate other stories, don't we, in church? Service, it's good to serve one another, it's good to serve on Sunday, it's good to serve each other as family. Prayer, actually we're called to pray. We're not called just to expect other people to turn up to prayer meetings, we're called to pray ourselves. I'll leave that one with you, it's Friday night, 8 till 12. Fellowship. We're called to enjoy fellowship with one another. Be hospitable. Have people around your house. We're called to confession, like I did on Friday. I confessed my sin. First to, first to Jazz, because she was in the office, and then secondly to the person that I needed to apologise to. Submission. We're called to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus and generosity. You know, as I'm reading through Revelation and I'm reading through um, Paul, uh, sorry, Jesus' letters to the church, I do believe, I was saying to Jesus this morning, Jesus, I'd love to have a letter from you for us. What would you want us to do, Jesus? And I just read this list, and I felt Jesus say, actually, do you know what? You get generosity really good. (laughs) As a church, we are so generous. There's the heart of God in generosity in this church, and you see it all the time. You see it in how people care for one another. You see it when we get to Christmas and we do give a gift. You see it just generally. There's a generosity in this church, and I just believe Jesus would commend you for your generosity as a church community. So these are the things we do. We can step into pursuing Jesus. But there's also something else we need to do. Sometimes we need to step out. Sometimes we need to withdraw. Sometimes we need to disengage. And sometimes that's the, the antidote to um, stepping away from the way that our culture is trying to speak to us. So do you engage in these practices? Solitude. Silence. Do you listen to Jesus? Do you spend any time just with Jesus? I'm just going to listen to you. I'm not going to do anything else. Jesus, I just want to hear your voice. What do you say to me? Secrecy. Now, I don't mean secrecy in a bad way. Not, don't do bad things in secret. But secrecy. Do, do, you know, when people find you, where are you? Are you praying? Are you, are you taking yourself off to have a little sneaky pray? Because that's what Jesus did. If you want to be like Jesus, that's how Jesus behaved. You know, when he goes to feed the 5,000, he's actually run away and they all follow him. Yeah, read the story. He's trying to get away from them. They can't, he can't, they can't leave him alone. But he's going off to spend time with God. Is that how you behave? Fasting. Fasting, you know, putting your, saying to Jesus, actually, you know what, I'm not going to eat food today. I'm going to seek your kingdom. And when I do this now, what I do is every time I feel hungry, I say, Jesus, Jesus, I want more of you. Every time my stomach goes, I'm like, Jesus, I need more of you. Fasting, just giving your life over to him. Frugality, how are you living with your money? Are you just needlessly chucking it away everywhere and buying loads of stuff? Or are you actually thinking about what you buy so that you can give away more? How do you live? Chastity. What you do with your body and your mind is important. It's important. Both married and unmarried. You know, it says in the Bible that um, for periods of time, it's actually good in marriages to, to abstain from sex, from sex for a while so that you can seek God together. Yeah, it's not just for single people, but it's also for single people. What you do with your body matters to God. You've been bought with a cost. Your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. You need to think about how you use your body. Study. Do you study the Bible? Do you ever read it? Because if you don't read it, how are you going to become like Jesus if you never see what he did or see what he said? And lastly, do you take a break? Do you have Sabbath? Do you have a rest? Do you spend Saturdays off? Do you you take a break? Because it's important that you do those things. So there's a way that we can both step out and step in. Okay, I'm, I'm going to uh, 
put this, we, we're doing a, um, a devotional guide through John's Gospel when we get to November. We're going to try and get you to, all to read John's Gospel for us, with us. Um, so we've got people who've written daily devotionals. So what I thought I'd do is I'm actually going to write a little bit about how you can abide in Jesus. And I'll put this list in there and give you some suggestions about ways that you might want to walk into that lifestyle. But I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this as a challenge to you today to think about your life. Are you abiding in him or are you just going after what the world is after? Are you saying, actually, I'm, success for me is not driven by what the world says is success. Success for me is just being near Jesus. I'm going to be near Jesus. So as we close today, I just want to just remind you of what Jesus says. He says, abide in my love. And I think the best place that we can go to for this, look, it's not a, it's, effort's important, but we, first of all, we just need to go to Jesus and reflect and just take a moment, take a moment just to remember that we are in the love of Christ. We are in the hand of God. There's nothing that can get us out of his hand. So as we finish this morning, I just thought it'd be good. Let's just, let's just abide in his love for a few minutes, shall we? This is not guilt. This is not condemnation. There's no condemnation for those that are set free in Christ. But this is a choice to say, Jesus, I'm going to pursue you with my whole life. Let's pray, shall we? Yeah, Jesus, we're reminded in Jude, and he says that we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. And Jesus, you say here in John, abide in my love. Thank you, Jesus, that our salvation is nothing of us, it's all of you. It's your word that makes us clean. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing that we can do to ever pull us out of your hand. There's nothing we can do. But Lord, we don't want to just get to heaven by the skin of our teeth. Lord, we want to get to heaven going, Jesus, <laughs> it's you. We know each other. We're like the best of friends. Jesus, I want to get to heaven. When I want to meet you, Jesus, I want that moment of just joy of knowing, Lord God, that I laid my life down for you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you love us. Lord, we thank you that you've called us according to your good purposes. Lord, we just dwell in that love for a moment. It's the love that drives out fear. It's the love that brings peace. We dwell in your love today. We want to walk in your love. We want to be rooted and established in your love we want to grow as Christians in your love. So, Lord, we pray that we would know your love more, that you might lead us into a way and a lifestyle of following after you with all that we have. Jesus, we want to grow to be like you. So we pray, Jesus, that your love might abide in us this week and that you might help us to abide in you. Amen.